You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Take your Bibles, please, to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians 3. And uh, I am sorry, I, uh, I've been struggling with my voice a little bit this week. And uh, I have not been yelling at my wife. Uh, how many of you husbands know I have been yelling at my wife because I don't have a black eye or bruises anywhere? Um, and Brother Nathan hasn't been here, so I haven't been yelling at Brother Nathan. I leave Brother Dan and Brother Caleb, so you take your pick. Uh, but uh, I guess I've been, I don't know what I've done. But anyway, uh, I'll hopefully keep it. If my, if my voice if my voice goes out tonight, then we'll just go home early and we'll get to the popcorn earlier. But uh, I hope that you'll bear with me there. Um, Miss Nora, I keep meaning to, to catch you today, but happy birthday to you, and I hope you've had a good day. And uh, I'm sure Brother Fats has spoiled you rotten. Brother Fats, right? I, I warn you, if you've got a Sunday birthday, it's always a scary feeling when you open the bulletin on Sunday morning, right? But you're, you're prepared, and uh, I hope you have a, a great, great day. And uh, the day's not over. Just think, if you've got a birthday today, you could still celebrate and go get a milkshake or, uh, you know, some, something from the store. I mean, you could buy the cakes at the store, right? You don't have to make it. But I hope you have a great day. Philippians chapter 3, I'm going to finish tonight this chapter. And uh, the Lord has used this to help me. I hope it's been a help to you. Really, the theme of this whole chapter, I think, is verse 14, that we're pressing toward the mark, uh, that we're running the race that God has called us to run. Uh, We've got to keep our eyes on the prize. You, you, can't, you can't worry about what everybody else is doing. Um, when I was... Uh, when I was uh, playing sports in uh, junior high and high school, even elementary, I remember so many times the coach would say, uh, don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Um, when I was in Little League, uh, you'd get up there to bat. You know, you'd get up to bat in Little League. And the opposing dugout, I don't know if this is politically correct now or what, but the opposing dugout, they would start to chant, hey, better, 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 hey, better, better, better. Why don't you swing? You know, they want to get you to strike out. and They're always doing these, you know, things, try to distract you. Uh, but when you're running the race for God, you got to keep your eyes on Jesus. You can't get your eyes on all the other stuff. You can't be listening to all these different voices and all these different people and these different things that will try to pull you away. Uh, just get in the book and, and get on your knees and walk with God and love God and run the race. Keep your eyes on Jesus. But that's really the theme of this chapter. And the theme of the book is joy. You got to have joy in the Christian life. A sweeter gets the journey. I hope, I hope you love Jesus more today than you've ever loved him. And if you don't love him more today than you've ever loved him, then there's something that needs to happen in your heart. There, there's something that there's a work that God wants to do to draw you closer to himself and to have a relationship with him that's real. We've talked about the rejoicing. Uh, we said there's a realization. You can't put any confidence in the flesh. And then we said it's a relationship that I may know Christ. I want to know Jesus more and more every day. And then we said there's a race. And then this morning we talked about the reward. 
and the reasoning. Got to have the right mindset. Got to keep, got to keep your mind right. Now don't, don't start thinking crazy things. Have you ever, uh, I hope, I, I hope you haven't. I'm sure you have though. I know I have. Have you ever gotten something in your mind and it wasn't true? There was not a, sh a shred of truth to it, but you had yourself worked up. Can I tell you, like for instance, if you hear a noise at night, you hear a noise at night and all of a sudden, I mean, next thing you know, I mean, they're breaking in and they're coming to get you and you know, they're going to do this, that or the other and all these scenarios play through your mind and you know, it was nothing. It was one of the kids got up to, you know, use the restroom or whatever and you heard a door and, but, but in your mind, uh, if you're not careful, if you don't control your thoughts, control your mind, that old devil will get in and that old devil will, will try to build a stronghold. Uh, in your mind. And sometimes it, it comes not from fear. Uh, sometimes it doesn't come from worldliness, but sometimes it comes from bitterness. You start to get a little bit bitter at somebody. The next thing you know, that bitterness has taken control of your whole life. And, and, and that bitterness has robbed you of joy. You got, you've got to keep your mind right. We said this morning, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And what was the mind of Christ? The mind of Christ was humility. Uh, he humbled himself. Boy, that'll solve a lot of our problems, won't it? Uh, only by pride cometh contention. Uh, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. Let's be humble. Tonight, I'd like for you to see in verses 20 and 21, two thoughts as we conclude this chapter. It says in verse number 20, and these may be my, two of my favorite subjects to preach on. And I get to preach about both of them tonight. And so uh, after about three and a half hours, we might be done tonight. But it says in verse number 20, Philippians 3, verse 24, Our conversation is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. I'd like to preach tonight, uh, number seven in this series would be our residence. And our residence is not in Roanoke Rapids. Our residence is not in Halifax. Our residence is not in Gaston. Our residence is not in Emporia, Virginia. Our residence is not in this world. Our residence, if we're saved, our residence is in heaven. We're citizens. Uh, the Bible says our conversation, meaning our citizenship. We belong to heaven. We don't belong to this world. I want to preach about heaven. And then I like to preach for a few minutes tonight about the subject of the return of Christ. The Bible says, from whence also we look for the Savior. And that's an anticipation. We're looking forward to the day that the Savior comes back for His children. Lord, I pray You'd speak to us tonight. Help us, Lord, to be helped and encouraged and be blessed. And I pray, Lord, You'd give us exactly what we need. I pray for those that need encouragement tonight. I pray they'd get encouragement. For those that need to be challenged and convicted, I pray they would receive that. I pray for those that just need some reminders tonight. I pray you'd remind them and help their focus to be right. Lord, I pray that you would use your word. I thank you that it is quick and powerful. 
It's sharper than any two-edged sword, and I pray that it would pierce our heart and soul and uh, the joints and marrow, and I pray it be a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart tonight, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Our residence. Our residence is in heaven. Our conversation, our citizenship is in heaven. The Bible does not say that our conversation will be in heaven, but it says it's already there. You see, as a Christian, you don't belong to this world. You say, but this is all I know. This is where you were born. Uh, this is where you live. This is where we sometimes get a little comfortable. But I want to remind you, we're not staying here forever. We're not staying here very long, as a matter of fact. But we, as God's children, will spend forever. Eternity we will spend in heaven. I hope that there's a longing in your heart for heaven. I hope there's a homesickness that you feel for heaven. I hope you don't go through the week without thinking about heaven. I hope you don't go throughout your day without thinking about heaven. Mrs. Askew sang this morning that beautiful, beautiful song, Beulah Land, I'm longing for thee. Beulah Land is a name that we use for heaven. That word Beulah, it literally means to be married. And we as the, the church, we as uh, Christians, we are the bride of Christ. And Jesus Christ is the groom. And there is a marriage that is going to take place in Beulah land, the land where we will be united with our Savior. What a day that will be. Can I tell you, I hope you're longing for heaven. You shouldn't feel at home in this world. I think sometimes God allows trials. I think sometimes God allows difficulties just to remind us not to get too comfortable down here. Aren't you glad that there will not be any elections in heaven? Aren't you glad there won't be any pandemics in heaven? Aren't you glad there won't be any hospitals in heaven? There won't be any surgeries in heaven. There's not going to be depression in heaven. There's not going to be any sorrow. There won't be any sickness. There won't be any pain. As a matter of fact, when we get to heaven, we're not even going to grow old. Hallelujah for that. Can I tell you, that's the place that we should long for. That's the place where we belong. I'm thankful for the home that my wife and I have. I'm thankful for the home that we have uh, for our family. But can I tell you, what makes our home special is not the recliner in the family room, although that is pretty comfortable. And how many of you could go for one of those about now, right? No, you couldn't go for one of those because you wouldn't last very long. Some of you have a hard time lasting on the pews, you know, without falling asleep. But it's not the recliner. Uh, it's not the bed. And I thank the Lord for the bed. Boy, at night, after a long, especially after a Sunday, that's a good feeling, is it not? To put your head on that pillow and go to sleep and say, thank you, Lord, for giving us a great day. Uh, it's not the closet with the clothes. It's not the dressers that you have. It's not the furniture that you have. Uh, it's not the, the games that you have. It's not the toys that you have. It's not, although I'll tell you, I do like going to the kitchen, right? We talked about that this morning. That's a good place to go. But you know what makes it home? It's not the things that are there, but it's the people that are there. Can I tell you, heaven is our home. 
Because that is where our Savior is. That is where the bridegroom, that is where Jesus Christ, the one who gave his life on the cross for us, that's where he is. And by the way, the longer we live, the more and more loved ones we've got that are on the other side. I hope there's a longing for heaven. I hope there's a longing for home. My wife and I and our children, we took a trip uh, the end of May for uh, my brother Jared's wedding. And we had a good time and it was a long trip, but we went to Kansas. We were there for a few days and we spent some time in Iowa, which is where Joanna grew up. And got to spend time with her brother, uh, Joseph, and his wife and their children and, and with Joanna's uh, uh, dad and his wife. And we had a wonderful time and it was great. But you know, anytime you go on a trip, there reaches a point where you're enjoying the trip, you're enjoying the fun and, and all that, but you just can't wait to get home. And I hope you love the journey of the Christian life, and I hope you love church, and I hope you love your family, and I hope you love the things that God has blessed us with down here, and we should. But I want to remind you, this world is not our home. We were made for another world. Turn with me, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 11. The Bible tells us about Abraham. He was a man that God called him from the land of his fathers and God led him to a place where he had never been. But he left his home and he left by faith. It says in Hebrews 11 in verse number eight, by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, he obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles or, or, or temporary uh, dwelling places with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Notice, if you would, verse number 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and they embraced them and they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Abraham said, I don't belong down here. I'm just, I'm wandering. I'm sojourning. I'm traveling, but I'm looking for a place where I belong. I'm looking for a place where the builder and the maker of that place is God. Verse 15, verse 14, excuse me. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country. Aren't you thankful that heaven is so much better than this? Heaven is better. They desire a better country. That is an heavenly Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. That sounds like John 14, doesn't it? Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm glad that there is a place where we belong. There is no place like home. There is no place like heaven. We are here, and the Apostle Paul talks about it in Philippians 3. He says we're running the race, but he said, let's not forget that our citizenship is in heaven. You see, we're here in this world, but we're not created for this world. 
We were created to live forever with God in a place called heaven. We're here tonight to tell others about heaven where they too can spend forever with the one who gave his life on the cross for them. Paul was not running the race to get to heaven, but he was running the race to help others get to heaven. And friend, this week, let's look for opportunities that we can talk to people and tell them about heaven. We were talking in the prayer meeting, Brother Chris uh, and uh, uh, some of the men, we were in the prayer meeting, was talking about uh, Sterling that got saved yesterday and got baptized today. He said it was the last, last door. They were out knocking there on the bus route. And uh, he said, uh, he asked him, and it was, it was literally, it was almost like, what must I do to be saved? And Sterling, he may be watching, but he said, that's what I need. I need the Lord. And he trusted Christ, got baptized, called Brother Chris and said, hey, I got some friends that need to hear about that too. Do you think you could tell them about it? Can I tell you, that's what this race is all about. It's about, we're on our way to heaven, but we want to take as many people with us as we can because this world is not where we belong. We see our residence, our residence is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven, but next I want you to see the return of Christ. We talked about it this morning, the second coming. This should be our motivation. This should be why we run. This is why we live, because Jesus is coming again. Verse 20, the Bible says our conversation is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Would you notice in verse number 20 and 21, it says that Jesus is coming and we're supposed to be looking for him. Now, some Christians, they look for Jesus to come and they're nervous about it because they're not living right. Because there's sin in their lives that needs to get right, needs to get confessed. You say, well, when are we supposed to get those things right? Now, today, because you don't know when Jesus is coming. I don't know when he's coming. You say, oh, does that mean I might lose my salvation? Absolutely not. But it means when Jesus comes back, we don't want to be ashamed. When I was, uh, when I was growing up and mom and dad would uh, have a, a babysitter come, you know, we would hopefully not get in trouble with the babysitter, but mom and dad would always ask for a report on how we were doing. And we didn't have to worry necessarily about when mom and dad were coming home because that was the babysitter's responsibility. But then as the oldest of seven, I got to the point where they didn't get a babysitter. They got me. And all I remember is I remember the transaction with the babysitter. I remember there was always money involved when they came back and they paid the babysitter for watching the kids. But you want to know how much I got paid when I was babysitting my siblings? It's kind of like that allowance I told you about, right? I got the roof over my head and the clothes on my back and the food and all that. But, but when mom and dad were coming back, and this was obviously before cell phones and all that stuff, we didn't know when they were coming back. And so the idea was when they came back, you wanted the house to be in semi-decent condition, right? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay. It couldn't look like a tornado just came through or we were in trouble. I was in trouble. 
Um, and also, you didn't want to have children screaming and fighting and punching and wrestling when that front door opened, right? And so everything we did, we were doing it with the anticipation, hey, mom and dad are coming back. Now, I don't think that was the right anticipation. That was more the fearful anticipation. But can I tell you, our anticipation ought to be we can't wait for Jesus to come back. Maybe it's when your family's been gone or I think about when uh, I'm away and I'll come back on a trip. I just can't wait to get home. I can't wait to see my family. I can't wait to get back to my church. I, I, I just, I miss it. I can't wait for it. And I hope there is an anticipation, a longing for, a looking for the return of Christ. It says, who shall change our vile body? Now that's not, that word vile is not talking about a, a sinful or a disgusting as much, but it's talking about the fact that we're just flesh. We're just, we're human. We make mistakes. Uh, this body is a corruptible body. Turn back with me to 1 Corinthians 15, if you would. I want you to see this. It says that he will change our vile body so that it may be fashioned according to his glorious body. That word glorious means uh, exalted, majestic, uh, splendor. But our vile body is one of, of low estate. We're, we're humble. We're just, we're dirt. Uh, we're dust. First Corinthians 15. Notice with me, if you would, in verse number 51, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be what? Change. That's what he's talking about. God's going to change our vile body and he's going to make it a glorious body. Verse 52, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be what? We're going to be changed. Uh, this body that feels pain and this body that experiences sorrow and this body that has limitations, this body is going to be changed from a corruptible body to an incorruptible body. Verse 53, for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What a day of victory it's going to be when that trumpet sounds. The return of Christ. We don't know when He's coming, but we know He's coming. He said it in John 14. He said, I will come again. First Thessalonians chapter four, we know that the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. What a day that will be. Jesus is coming back. As Jesus ascended up into heaven in Acts chapter 1, those disciples were there and they watched him go up. And the angels appeared to those disciples and they said, This same Jesus shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go up. 
you know what? He's coming back just like he went away. And I cannot wait for the day that he comes. I want you to notice, we'll close with this, verse number, Philippians 3, verse 21. It says that he'll change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working, whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Now, that's a tongue twister there. You, you wouldn't want to say that three times fast. You know, that might get you. According to the working, whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. What's that talking about? That word subdue is the word arrange. It means that, that Jesus is able to put everything into place. Have you ever been responsible for a big project? Uh, maybe it's a building. Some of you that, that work with, with buildings and you work with contractors and you work with all of that. Or maybe it's a big event. Maybe you were a part of a, a huge citywide event. Can I tell you, it'll drive you nuts just trying to keep yourself, you know, where you need to be. But then when you've got all these moving parts and all these people you're counting on and the schedules and then somebody's like, well, I can't do this, but I can do this and I can't do this day, but I can do this day. And you're just trying to get it all together. Sometimes that can be difficult. But it's not difficult for Jesus. He's got it all under control. He is able to arrange. He is able to put everybody and everything in the right place. Maybe your life right now seems a little out of control. Maybe your life seems a little hectic. Uh, I'm not sure if there's anybody that doesn't feel that way right now. I think we all feel that way. Can I tell you, aren't you glad that God can put everything in order? God can arrange everybody and everything, put everybody in the right spot. He is able to subdue all things unto himself. Can I tell you, whatever you're facing in life today, you can trust Jesus. He's got it under control. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.